your life is always moving in the direction of your thoughts. This summer, we've been in this incredible series called Toxic Thoughts and Words. We have this definition of toxic simply as anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. And we are applying this to spiritually of allowing toxic thoughts to make their way into our minds. We know that the enemy tries to shape our thinking one lie at a time, setting up these strongholds that begin to define our destiny and our future. What we are thinking today is what we are becoming in the future. No one has ever come to Christ without a destiny, a greatness, and a future. Our future is under attack and assailment. And we have been circling around these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. They are revolutionary, life-changing, earth-shaking, powerful truths that will assail every rogue thought, every rogue thought that the enemy is trying to put into our minds. And we are here on this summer day to take a stand and to drive down every single stronghold in our minds. Strongholds are composed of the aggregate of lies. And these lies, if you allow them to be in your mind, will define where you end up when you breathe your last breath. There are certain things that God is not doing. There are certain things he says to us. If you will do this, I'll back you up with the weapons. However, it's your move. Don't wait on me. There are certain things we don't wait on God to do. We step in there and we begin to take the initiative and we begin to fight. This morning, I want to underscore that you cannot sit. We're in a spiritual battle. The spiritual battle is not about our hands or our feet primarily. It's what you can't see. It's the thoughts you have right now. It's the thoughts I have right now. And these verses are marching orders. There are marching orders to every born-again believer that you better stand up and fight for your thoughts because you may end up where you don't want to be. Amen. Amen. I'd like us to read these two power-packed, revolutionary, Holy Spirit-inspired, eternal words. I don't want to read it like it's 12 o'clock at night. You're almost going to sleep. I want us to read it. I want the enemy to hear it. I want to scare the big guy and back him off this morning. Verse 4 and 5, let's hit it. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments.
This word, demolish, is mentioned twice. And it says that we demolish them. We do not do that because we are physically strong. We do it because we have weapons. Our weapons are not toys. Our weapons are not to look at. Our weapons are not to evaluate or mediate. Our weapons are for a fight. Our weapons are only used in a battle. And let me mention, we are not fighting from the defense. You don't win battles on the defense. If a football game, a football team doesn't have a good offense, it doesn't matter how good their defense is, you have to be a good offense. And what that means, it's not he hits you and then you hit him. That's defense. No, this is where you go out and you begin to hit him before he's able to hit you. So you're on the offense, demolishing, demolishing. Demolishing, crushing, obliterating, pulling down strongholds. One of the strongest strongholds or fortresses that the enemy works on your mind and my mind is worry. In fact, a number of years ago, I earned a PhD in worry. (laughs) Being a recovering perfectionist, I could wake up and worry about the smallest thing. We worry about what people think, what students think about our children, our future, our money, our health, our education. Will we ever have children? Will we ever stop having children? (laughs) Why did we have children? (laughs) And after a while, anxiety sets in, and all of us know the major drugs, billions of dollars for anxiety. One day, Jesus was addressing a crowd at 11 o'clock, and he looked out at the crowd, and he noticed that there were a lot of warriors, not warriors, warriors. And Jesus stood up, and he gave this little talk about these strongholds in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 23. Words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, crowd, do not, no, I just said the crowd. (laughs) At ease. Do not worry about your life, what you'll drink, eat or drink, about your body, be cool what you wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I read that and I said to Judy, I said, wow, that's about women. (laughs) And she said, no, Alex, it's men too. (laughs) Every Sunday morning when I'm going over my notes, She comes out in a dress. She said, Alex, how do I look? And I say, you're gorgeous. And right answer, (laughs) gentlemen, she's always gorgeous. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you little faith people? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run around after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. Verse 33, read it with me. But seek first. Jesus was always in your face with very practical things. Maybe he was outside and he saw some birds kind of flying by and he said, look, look at the birds. I take care of the birds. And then maybe there were some flowers and he said, look at the flowers. Be cool. They're fine. And look out to the grass. I clothe the grass, won't I clothe you? And the big point here of the construction of this stronghold of worry, Jesus nails and he says, you guys are not trusting me to provide for you. And so you think you have to be up at night coming up with a solution when I'll take care of you and change your focus from your worrying to simply seeking and begin to seek my kingdom. I'm the king. I have dominion. I have things for you to do and also my righteousness, which has to do with his truth and the word of God and if you do these things and you make this one move, then I'm going to take care of you and you're going to be fine. I would like to, to think that is simplistic and easy. It is not. Because we still have this proclivity to worry about it late at night until it becomes a stronghold and it affects every one of us. I remember, <clears throat> it was many years ago now, a little different than what we do presently. It was Saturday morning and probably around 9.30 and for whatever reason, I lingered in bed and was reading the Wall Street Journal. Love to read about what's happening in the world economically and stocks and investments. Uh, my wife, Judith, was bringing in some food and so kind and nice. After a while, I had this thought, why don't you log a verse in your phone and begin to focus a little more <clears throat> on anchoring verses and put a little more time there than on your Wall Street Journal. So I got my phone, and that morning I believe I put about three verses in there that I was somewhat familiar with. And then I sort of started something new in my life that when I would be in my morning briefing with God, I would be looking for a verse that the Holy Spirit would speak to me and it would come alive by the Holy Spirit and that I could not memorize 
but I could anchor it in my heart and it would renew my mind. I started with just a few and then as I was going through this change and as I look back on it, I didn't know what was happening, but when I would wake up, the stronghold didn't like go. And a lot of times we say, I bind this stronghold and we think it'll leave like in four seconds. It's been building for years. And sometimes the way strongholds are broken is a process. And we all want everything to happen in deliverance in three seconds or less. As I look back, I unquestionably had a stronghold of worry in my mind. And I started to, as these things would happen, I would have that verse that would come and I would counter that. And after a while, this began to change my life. And these verses became not something that was external, but they became a part of me. I became the owner, the possessor. And I found that my most powerful divine weapon was this inspired word of God, inerrant. And that if I would allow the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit to begin to make this powerful and then it would come in and it would do a Romans 12 2 on me and begin to renew my thinking begin to change my thinking I want to suggest the possibility you have a program hope some of you are taking notes at home and I'd like you to maybe consider taking a scripture I'll throw out a few here, but the Holy Spirit has to make them real to you and not just copy and do it. I don't randomly anchor scripture because the power comes in the Holy Spirit revelation. And when they come alive, it's like touching a hot stove. You jump. And... The converse, it actually helps you rather than hurts you, but you do jump inside. And I think one that's the most familiar, maybe some of us have to dust it off and maybe bring it back to life. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it in the night. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is, he is the, he's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I fear? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 in the Message Bible is extremely powerful because it says, but those who wait upon God get new strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run. They run. Say it. They run. And they don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. And how do we, how do we soar? We soar because there are the winds of obstacles coming against us. We soar because... Most of the things that we're trying to do, we are having resistance coming at at us. Raising our families, trying to follow Christ as students in school. So the winds come against us. And what do we need to confront it? It's more than simply saying, I resist you. It's more than that. It's actually waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. And when you begin to wait on the Lord, you begin to get new strength. In my life, I'm interested in physical strength, and I'm going to work out so every cell in my body is crying out, help me. (laughs) 
I want to have physical strength. I don't want to be weak. I don't want deterioration and atrophy in my muscles. That means if I want my muscle to work, I have to put, I have to put something p- more powerful that strains it. If you're not waiting on God, you are a weak Christian and a little wind can knock you down because you are weak. You're weak. But when you're, you have fresh strength, fresh strength doesn't come by talking. Fresh strength doesn't come by hoping only. Strength comes when you wait on the Lord and you have your Bible and you are standing there and you are not reading your Bible simply out of rote. You want to hear God speak to you on that day and you're going to wait. And the wind, remember there are two winds. The wind of life that says I'm going to take you down. You're not going to do that and you're not going to do that and you're not going to do that. The wind is coming. And the wind will take you out. And remember, this is not willpower, it's word power. But when the wind comes and you are full of strength and you have a wind with the Holy Spirit that counters the wind and you begin, the Bible says, to be like eagles. And what they do when the wind is blowing, they get their wings in there and it takes them higher. So if you want to get high, you want to get high, I'll tell you high. I'll tell you high. The Bible says when you get this verse inside of you, and you may have read this a thousand times, and you know where it is, doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing that you know where scripture is. Doesn't mean a thing. Unless it's alive by the, by the Holy Spirit and, and revelation inside of you. Because when that happens, something happens inside of you. And now you have the wind of the Spirit. You have the wind that comes against that wind. And you begin to soar. And you run and don't get tired because you're strong. You have strength. When I watched you worship the Lord and go crazy, why I thought, wow, how I am being strengthened today. This is not about just I read my Bible in the morning and I meet with God. No. When you come in a service like this, and all these people around you, and they have the word in them. That word, they may just say, good morning. But the word is in them, and alive, and powerful. And watching all these people at the front here, and adults and kids praising God. And I was thinking how this morning, I'm, I'm strengthened by your life. I'm strengthened by the word of God that is in you. And when you're a part of a small group and you're meeting together and this person talks, what happens is you are now renewing your mind. You renew the mind by being with the right people. Get out of the drug dealer's small group. Get out of the devil's small group. If you're out at the clubs and you're in the world... And you're over here drinking and and you're in that environment. I don't go to clubs. I don't intend to go to clubs. This is my spiritual club right here. I don't go to clubs. I don't want the spirit of the world. There are a lot of places you should not go, not because the Bible says thou shalt not go there. And a lot of places you can be a Christian and still go. But I'm not taking any chances with my body and my will. I'm going to be around godly people and also those that don't know the Lord. But I'm not going clubbing. And there are a lot of other things I'm not going there. Because I am interested in being stronger every year. To be stronger in the Lord. 
And why am I mentioning that? Because there's someone here, you're clubbing, and you're thinking you're going to just get and be like a great man or woman of God. Watch where you go. Watch what you say. Getting off my notes here, as you can see. Hallelujah. 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 Don't you believe what the devil says? Don't you believe what he is trying to get you to do? He says, look at your past life. Look at the things you've done. Do you think you can ever be used by God? There are two aspects of guilt. Guilt automatically comes when we sin from the devil. That's from him. There's another big aspect we don't talk about, and that's when believers are serving God and the enemy brings guilt on them that is unwarranted. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying there are people that are under guilt. There's no reason you're under guilt. And you need to get guilty thoughts out of your mind. There's some here. You have a stronghold, a guilt in your mind from your past. And you need to strike it. You need to clear the deck. And you need to stand up and say, I'm a child of God. I am righteous. I am in Christ. I don't have a past. I'm forgiven. The Bible says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we demolish arguments, every pretension. It sets itself up against the knowledge of God. This is the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. More specifically, to take captive so my thinking is in line with Christ's thinking. And that I not only think it, I obey it. And I'll walk in my destiny. I walk in my calling. I walk knowing that the promises of God are on my life. From the moment you come to Christ, you realize there's a destiny for me. There's a calling. There's a future. I'm to be used. I'm to speak up. I'm to carry the words of Christ. I am to stand. I am to see. I am to walk according to what he has set in place for me. And I must take captive the word captive in the Greek simply means to literally arrest or siege with a sword. And I now take captive. Ephesians 6 speaks of all the weapons, but the one weapon that is offensive, offense and offensive to the enemy is the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. Amen. And we are called by God to fight 
stand down the enemy. And to know that the calling of God is on our lives. Yesterday, I was in the gym and in a whirlpool. And a little guy was there who I soon learned was 12 years old. He looked at me and he said, you know, my dad doesn't let me be in here. <laughs> he was going to a school there at the gym. I said, I'll protect you. So I looked, I asked him his name, and in fact, before I did that, he reached out his hand, he said, my name is Paxton, what is yours? Told him I was a pastor. I said, what's your dream? And he looked up me as if he was much older, and he said, I'm going to join the Air Force. I said, Paxton, what are you going to do? And he had this look on his face like, oh, my God, this is going to happen. He said, I'm, I'm going to be like a, a, a fighter pilot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm going to be like in these planes and fly and And I thought, how many? You lost. You lost. You lost your childhood dream. You stopped dreaming. You stopped with purpose. You're just living. How did it happen? Well, I can tell you one thing for sure. It happened right here before action happened because your life is always being led by what you're thinking. And I want to remind everyone here this morning, those who have been following Christ for a long time, don't lose your fight mentality. And I don't know what you're called to be or do, whether you're called as a student to be the president of the United States or in Congress or a governor or a mayor or a CEO or a doctor or an electrician or a carpenter or what you're called to do. But let me tell you, it is a calling from God. And that calling is not above and beyond the calling of a pastor. Your calling is equally significant. And you are to influence and be a powerful force to take down the strongholds in people's minds and lives. They can't do it for themselves. And you are to fight. And you are to demolish. And you are to crush. And you are to come against every thought in your mind until you wake up in the morning and you begin to say, before you put your feet on the floor, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you begin to say in your thoughts, God is with me. God is blessing me. Everything I do is blessed. When I go out, I'm blessed. When I come back, I'm blessed. My mother-in-law may not like me. I may have a few enemies. I may have some people that would like to take me out. But they're not big enough or strong enough to take me out. Because I'm on a mission from heaven. I'm called. And I have a promise on my life. And I'm not stopping. I'm not going to give in to the wind that's coming against me. And I'm going to see what he has told me. This is ridiculous, but years ago, Austin, play. Years ago, years ago, I had this thing, because I, 
Years ago, I was always studying about the nation, and I'm going to give an address next week on the nation, but I was always talking about the nation, and I thought, God, someday, somewhere, I'm going <clears> to <throat> be in Washington. I want to affect somebody there. And I saw myself affecting thousands in Washington. You know what? It's never happened. Here's what I found, though. Until the promise comes, I'm just going to keep what God has put in front of me. And I've learned that my way to the promise is a very profound way. It's called faithfulness. And if you're faithful over some little things, it gives you bigger things. If you have a group, and you have a group, and there are just two people there, you don't say, well, we just have two. Like, that's bad. These are two bad people. No, you say, God's given me two. And then you eat with them and love them and care for them, and maybe God will give you three. But you never look down on what God gave you. In fact, the Bible says, don't despise small beginnings. And it's just one little step of God says, talk to that person over there. And you go over there and you just say a couple sentences. Or God says, Teresa, Bert, I want you to love babies over there. And Teresa holds babies, loves babies, doesn't throw them against the wall, holds them. <laughs> and after a while, she has two babies. Don't ever marginalize what we think is small. I love to hug people after the service. So I stand back here, I look at eyes. I see a lot of hurting people, and some of them just need a hug. Sometimes you're walking down in the lobby, and the Lord will say, you look at somebody, they look down and say, hey, my name is Mary. Can I, can I buy you a cup of coffee, a latte, in the, over in the cafe? Sometimes it's picking up a child that has no father and hug them. Or we have some people here working at Choices to save lives from abortion. Don't ever marginalize. If you're a usher, whatever you're doing, we do it as unto the Lord. We bless the Lord. I always want to be faithful with what God gave me. I always want more. I'm never satisfied. But I have to say, God, I'll be faithful with what I have. With that, what I have. Just a couple minutes, we're going to take Holy Communion. I woke up uh, last night. I was up for a number of hours. And when I wake up like that, I almost never now worry, and I was praying. And I laid there, and God will give me people that Paul Padilla has been in the hospital. There are some twins, almost died, and Damaris and Israel, and I was just praying for their children, praying for Glenda, who had an operation. Then I started praying, I said, Lord, Maybe I'm awake all these hours just to pray for lost people. Give us souls tomorrow. And then I had this thought. The Lord said, Alex, believe for miracles. Believe for healings. As you take communion tomorrow, believe that miracles are going to happen. And in just a moment, and right now, 
those that will be offering Holy Communion to us are coming. It's interesting in Second or First Corinthians 11, the Bible says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We have to remember what Christ did for us. We're under the new covenant. I had this really strong impression one person would be healed of a heart problem that is more than you skip beats. Like your heart is messed up. And by taking communion, you'd be healed. We remember what he did. He took our sin, but he also took our sickness. Because the Bible says, by his wounds, we are healed. Say that with, by his. Say that and put in there, I. By his wounds, I. Just put your hand on your body. By his wounds, I am healed. Would you stand together, please? No one moving for a minute. We have these stations in the front here. We have one, two, three, four. We have right in the middle. We have over here in the balcony and over here, I believe, in the center. If you're not a member of our church, this is not about our table. This is the Lord's table. If you're a guest, you may just want to watch. That's fine. But for the next couple minutes, I want us to remember Jesus, what he has done. And let's hold the bread, remember his body was given to us, and the cup. So find one of our leaders, our pastors, others that are serving as we worship the Lord. Huddle around, include someone around you.
I give my whole life, sing it. just a moment for us to know one move for just a moment. To try to put into words what Christ has done for us is so magnificent. And to know that no matter how far we've run from God and the regrets the darkness that Christ came from heaven seeking you and me and that on the cross he died but he died with a purpose and that purpose was that we who are part of humanity could be forgiven of our sin and also that we could be healed and made whole. Before we close our meeting today, we want to give those that are here an opportunity to literally just say, I'd like to be forgiven. You may feel the swirling of guilt, but Christ comes to remove all that. And sometimes it's just like putting up a hand and saying yes not knowing how and all of the information, but just saying, I need to be forgiven by Christ. Your sin cannot be so egregious that the cross couldn't handle that. He took all of our sins. And the only way that becomes a reality in our life is when we say, Jesus, forgive me. In a moment, I'm going to count to three and going to give you the opportunity just to raise a hand and say, pray for me, I need to be forgiven. And there may be those that this morning you're far from God. You once knew the Lord, but you just got with the wrong group and went the wrong way. It's never too late to come back. The enemy tells you you can't and overwhelms you with guilt. But the truth is you can and you will today come back. This is your moment. Many of you are watching. We have a lot of people in many countries you're watching. It can happen to you right now. Take a bold step. Get out. Get out of darkness. And come to Jesus. When I count to three, you just throw up a hand. One, two, three. Put it up. Say, pray for me. I want to be forgiven. Go. Put it up. Put it up. All over the building. Put it up. Yes. Yes. Over here. Put it up. Put it up. Do it. Couples. Singles. Wherever. Put it up. Over here. Over here. We're going to ask all of you that let, raised your hand to come and just stand here for a moment. And we're going to have a prayer together. My wife's going to come and give you a nice hug. Come right now. You, raise your hand. Come. Come right now. Yes. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come to Jesus.
Look at all these people that have come. Let's thank the Lord for that. We're not focusing on how bad you've been, but how great Jesus is. And we come as we are, and we're going to pray a, a sincere prayer to the Lord. And we pray that from our hearts. And what we're doing is we're just giving our lives to Christ. And he takes us as we are. There are several people here that your life has been so hard and you've gone so far, you literally don't think you can come back. But I break that lie over your mind. There are 10 or 12 people in this room that you know what I said and the enemy said you can't and you will be held captive as long as you listen to the you can't but Jesus is saying you can you can This is your defining moment. There may never be a time like this in your life. And it's when you feel the Holy Spirit moving you, don't say no. You come right now. Don't play. No music. You come. This moment is created in time for you. You walk the aisle. You walk the aisle. You walk the aisle. You walk the aisle. You say yes. You say yes. You say yes. You say yes. You don't think about it. You say yes. We will not stop. We want every person to be, be in heaven. And we will wait for another minute in the name of Jesus. He calls you out because you're valuable. You're a son and a daughter. Come, come, get out of your chair. Come now, in Jesus' name. God bless you for coming. Who else? My daughter was here, or my son. I'd be asking the person up there, wait one more, more minute. I, I need my daughter to come. Who else? Why am I waiting? Why am I stopping the service? Why? Who are you? We'll wait. Everybody pray right now. Pray in Jesus' name. Pray, 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 pray. Yes, right there. My daughter, come. Come right now. Get out of your chair. Get out of your chair and come right now. In the name of Jesus, right here. Right here. Yes. Who else? Who else? Yes. Right there. Right there. That's you. That's you. Get out of your chair. Be bold. Be courageous. Say no to the enemy. Get out of the enemy's camp. Get out of the enemy's camp. Yes. Right here. Right here. Get out of the enemy's camp. Get out. Get out. Yes. Right there. Yes, yes. Get out of the enemy's camp. In the name of Jesus. Okay, now you can play. Look at this. 
Girls, look at me. I have two daughters. You've been created for great things. Look at me. And you stand up from this day forward. You will not give yourself to anything that's evil. And men, look at me. You're called by God to be strong. What you did, you did. We're living it. We're going on now. We're going to pray this prayer. Can you imagine? Person is done bad things. And you pray one prayer and you say, Jesus, you're not only forgiven of your sins. That's half of it. You're made righteous. Like Jesus. You're as righteous as Jesus. So don't, don't put your head down. You get your, your head up. I want those online to pray this prayer and every person in the family. You didn't come. You pray it from that. Somebody in that section up there needs to pray it right in that section over there. You pray the prayer. This is a prayer. That cry, I love to pray this prayer. I pray it loud because I want the enemy to, to know he's a big loser on this day. Yes. Yes. Now say this. After this, Pastor Dave is going to take you to the side for five minutes. We're going to give you a Bible, and we have people that are really nice over there, okay? So let's say this. Jesus. Jesus. I put my faith in you. That you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. He's alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Give me your grace and the gift of righteousness and eternal life. If you prayed that prayer, you are in the family. God bless you. Come on, go.